Thanks, Clive. And uh, Assurance Partners are very proud to be an event partner of Financial News Network and uh, and uh, sponsoring these uh, these discussions. And great to get some some very interesting companies and and their uh, chief exec executive officers to talk about the businesses. So um, I'm I'm given the dubious distinction of uh, spending five or ten minutes uh, just running through the market outlook, which um, is nowhere near enough time, but that's okay. Um, I'll try and I'll try and hit the hot spots. Before I do, I just wanted to point out that we've had a couple of the banks uh, CFOs come in and present to us at Shore and Partners, and they're very buoyant about the outlook for uh, for credit and capital markets and um, and investment banking and, and these sorts of industries. There is so much excess cash out there in the in the global economy, um, and and you know a lot of these banks are seeing a continued um, movement of that cash into into investable assets. So, to put it in perspective, uh, if you look at the Australian household deposits uh, prior to February 2019, and then you look at the same number today, it's uh, it's about 200 billion dollars more sitting in household banking deposits than was there, uh, you know, pre-COVID. If you look at that in the United States, it's US two trillion, and if you look at it globally, and a couple of people have done the maths on this. It's something like five trillion dollars uh, globally. So global GDP is someone someone of the order of you know, the high ninety billions. So you're looking at something like five percent of GDP sitting in bank accounts that wasn't there prior to the prior to the pandemic. So a lot of that money has been created by central banks printing money, uh, and it's found its way into 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 savings accounts. So that's a very positive setup for for markets, and it's a very positive setup for consumption. Um, so I think that uh, we'll continue to see more companies coming to market, more companies raising equity capital, uh, more companies raising debt capital, and more, more companies starting to invest and expand as we come out of lockdown. So it's a very good time to be an investor looking at small and mid-cap companies that are emerging and, and growth because they have access to capital. That's not always the case. If you're like me and you've been through a few cycles, there are periods where there's not a lot of capital and it's difficult to grow. Uh, we're in a, a pretty good environment for uh, for small and mid cap, so we really like the small and mid cap space as an investment class, and and we probably prefer it to the large caps where it's going to get tougher. But if I just focus probably on the the key issues that global investors are looking at at the moment, and what that means for you know for investors here, um, the big issue is inflation. So people have spoken about inflation making a comeback. You know, for most of my career in the markets, I started in the markets in the in the late 80s, when we actually did have inflation, and uh, and and you know it's pretty much gone from you know 12 or 13 percent down to zero, but and all during that period, people are saying it's making a comeback. So it's had a lot of false starts, uh, but obviously what's happening now is we're actually starting to see physical inflation flowing through. So the the CPI numbers in the United States, probably the most recent global inflation numbers. Um, and headline inflation above 6.2% for the year to October. And if you extrapolate it forward, the months of November, December last year and January this year were lower inflation months. So as they drop off, if we continue to see elevated commodity prices, etc., we will see inflation above 7%, maybe even as high as 7.5% in the early part of next year in the United States. So it's going to be very difficult for a central bank to keep rates at zero and continue to print money and buy bonds when headline inflation is seven and a half percent. So the the fixed income markets are starting to price in central banks increasing rates at a faster rate, 
So that's what's happening in bond markets and it's been quite unruly. If anyone follows bond markets, they'll know that uh, interest rates have been incredibly volatile. We had uh, Aussie 10-year bonds above 2%, in fact, almost 2.1% on the last Friday of October. Uh, there was a bit of panic in the market because um, the Reserve Bank didn't buy the bonds they were previously buying. So fixed income markets have started to get very worried about inflation and that has obviously implications for equity markets, but probably more importantly, it has implications for what central banks do. Now, all the central banks have been um, you know, very accommodative. They've been printing money. They've got rates at zero. They've had QE. Uh, it's something like a billion dollars an hour of money, new money is being created. It's about eight and a half uh, trillion dollars a year. Um, so that's a lot of money that's being put into the system. And that's obviously kept asset price, prices buoyant. So as that money comes out of the system, and as interest rates start to go up, we should see some reversal to uh, to all that impetus. Having said that, as I said earlier, there is something like five trillion of that is, is sitting as dry powder. So in terms of interest rates, we we see them going up at some point towards the end of next year. Central banks themselves are trying to tell us that they won't go up until 2024, but that's looking increasingly unlikely. So investors are starting to price in higher interest rates, and for borrowers. That means if you haven't locked in your rate, um, it's maybe maybe a bit too late, maybe the price has moved, but if you haven't locked in your rate, you should probably think about doing that because we will be looking at higher interest rates going forward than what, than what we've had. So the implication for the equity market is that the PE ratio, which is currently about 17 and a half for the, for the market as a whole, is unlikely to push too much higher in a rising interest rate environment. So then we come back to the earnings side, which is much, much more important in the longer term is, is you know, equity prices are driven by earnings in the long term, but they're driven by sentiment and risk in the short term. So the, the, the outlook for earnings continues to be positive. As I said, there's good access to capital. Uh, the global economy is coming out of lockdown, although there's fits and starts. Overnight, there's some um, lockdowns in, in some European countries, for example. So some countries are going back into lockdown, which is, just means it's a stuttering start to global growth but there is nevertheless global growth. So there's better, there's better outlook for growth. There's um, uh, access to capital. So it's a good time for companies to grow, but we are probably cycling some very, very strong earnings numbers already. So obviously Q3 uh, reporting season in the US and AGM season here in Australia is coming to an end. And that's been mostly positive. Analysts have been upgrading earnings and quite a few of the outlook statements from Aussie companies have been quite positive as well. So we had a couple in the ag space yesterday with Elders and Inside Tech Pivot, for example. So some parts of the economy are performing better than expected. So that's good, but the question is, will that persist into next year? And there's starting to be a little bit of doubt about that, mostly driven by a concern about China. So when I was here last month, I spent a fair bit of time talking about Chinese property developers and how the fact that they'd basically borrowed too much money and the, and the government was asking them to reduce their level of, of debt and that's had some catastrophic impacts on some of the companies like Evergrande and Fantasia, for example. So as China's deflating its property development industry, it's slowing down its construction, it's slowing down steel manufacturing, and they're also wanting to have blue skies. They have a blue sky policy for the Winter Olympics, which are coming up next year. So combination of uh, deleveraging their property development industry and cleaning up their environment, we'll see China's growth continuing to slow. And obviously that's uh, very important for European uh, companies.
is they're a big exporter to China. It's obviously very important to us. We're a big exporter to China as well. So we're likely to see slower growth next year. So we're getting a little bit more cautious on the outlook. And we're just starting to think about, well, what happens if inflation is not transitory and it actually takes hold? How should investors protect portfolios? So energy is an obvious space. Uh, gold is another one and also global financials. So the Aussie financials don't do as well in a rising rate environment, but sort of global financials do. So if you can invest globally, that's an area of interest. If not, then you're looking at things like Macquarie Group in the, in the domestic market. So, so to wrap that up, um, inflation may or may not be transitory. You have to assume as an investor that, it, that it's not, and you have to be protecting yourself. Um, growth is strong, but is likely to slow into next year but it is a good environment for companies that have got access to capital and growth opportunities. So I think the small mid cap space continues to look very interesting. With that, I'll hand back to you, Clive.